0: You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Geno looks, going to lay it up over the top. Got a man out there. It is locking. He has got it. Touchdown Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. First and 10 at the Seattle 40.
1: Play fake to Stafford. Going to stop. Going to look. Gets hit. Goes down. Back in midfield.
0: Getting to him in the backfield is Daryl Taylor. Presented by Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Now, here's your host, Jen Mueller. Hello, Seahawks fans. What's going on? John Boyle with Seahawks.com here. Jen Mueller can't be with us today. She is in Kansas City with the Mariners, also known as Ichiro's favorite place in August. And if you don't get that one, Google it. It's a pretty funny video clip you'll find. Anyway, we are here today with a special edition of Seahawks Insiders and a very special guest joining us. If you are a fan of comedy, if you like to laugh, odds are this guy has made you laugh in the last few decades. We've got with us Jeff Schaefer. He is a director, a writer, a show creator. He worked on Seinfeld, Curb Your Enthusiasm, co-creator with his wife Jackie of The League, creator of the current wonderful comedy Dave, which if you haven't seen, you should be watching. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I may jump off sides more than Michael Bennett. Hey, there we go. Yep. And if you're wondering why Jeff would be slumming it with us here, a man of his talents and accomplishments, that is because in addition to all of his Hollywood success, he's also a big Seahawks fan, and he is in town this week to be a guest on the Seahawks broadcast for the preseason game. So even though you were already excited to watch the preseason game against Dallas, now you got another reason, because Jeff's going to be on the call dropping some knowledge during the game.
1: (sighs) Thank you for that. (laughs) Thank you for that pressure-filled Pressure filled intro. I am. I could not be more excited to be in the booth with Rabel and Wyman. I am um, hoping that you know. I haven't done it before, but I do love the Seahawks, and I do love talking about them. Um, I think broadcast wise, I'm just a fringe practice squad player from a small school, so my ceiling is my ceiling is you know, um, maybe making the practice squad. That's hey, it.
0: You know, Pete and John have a long history of finding good. Diamonds in the rough who make it off the practice squad and have long careers. So you never know. This could be your your second calling if you're, you know, ever get bored with all the fun current stuff you got going. Now, I wanted to ask you first right off the bat, I, I believe if the internet is to be, be believed and the internet's never wrong, you're from Ohio, is that correct? So I was actually long story, I was born in Ann Arbor, mm. spent my
1: grew up in Tacoma. Okay, oh, well, there we go. There's where, my answer. I was yes, like,
0: how are you a Seahawks yes, fan? So That's I, what I wanted to I know. Spent,
1: I grew up in Tacoma before uh, my family moved back to Ohio. So okay. in 76, I was living in Tacoma. I'm six years old, football formative years. The Seahawks exist, and football exists for me, and I just imprinted with the Seahawks. And I've been a fan ever since. And when my family moved back to Ohio, uh, I stuck with them.
0: And All this right. is
1: pre-internet, you know, you had to watch the late game to see the score on a ticker on the bottom. And, uh-huh. and you know, being a fan of the Seahawks in Northeastern Ohio in the 80s was like being a fan of some obscure Japanese punk band. <laughs> People just think, <laughs> you're just doing this to be difficult. Yeah. But right. I, I never wavered, and I always loved them. And when I moved to Los Angeles in the 90s and I started working at Seinfeld, I was making some money. And the first big purchase I ever made for myself was Seahawks season tickets. Awesome. Um, yeah, so
0: I've been a season ticket holder since ninety five. Wow. That's great. And when you look back at your your fandom, what, what jumps out? What are maybe some of your favorite teams, favorite players, memories, anything like that about being a Seahawks fan?
1: I mean, I loved Kenny Easley. Yeah. Just loved him. And I loved all the trick plays that we used to do in the beginning. Um Efren Herrera. Yeah. And then, you know, Zorn and Craig and Large and all that stuff. That was, you know, my my very young, my very young memories. Um, and when I got to actually start going to the games, that was the kingdom, the, you know, largest roof in the world with the smallest amount of men's rooms in the world, I yeah. think. Um, but you know, I got to see, I was, I've seen so much live. I've seen beast. I saw beast live, you know, To and the Sharpie, um, big play Babs knocking down Roma. This is back at, you know, this is yeah. century thing. Lumen, you know that, but like, um, the, the NFC championship game in, uh, 2014 against green Bay, like all of, I have so many amazing, amazing memories in that stadium. Um, and I'm just grateful that you know for the last ten years or so we are living in the golden age of the Seahawks.
0: Yeah, and and part of that golden age is Seahawks general manager John Schneider, who I know you've formed a friendship with over the years as as a fan and being around the program. Just uh, what what's how that come about? You getting to know John and getting to hang out with him a little bit.
1: So my wife and I created the show The League about yeah. a
0: bunch of people in the fantasy football league, and
1: so we'll get into that plenty. Don't and worry. We had, and we had. Um, one of our actors, Paul Shear, uh, who was on the show, was came up to Seattle for, I think he came with Will Ferrell and Riggle and Paul. They were there as Pete's guests. And and uh, Paul gets on the phone with me and goes, hey, John Schneider wants to talk to you. And John's like, hey, I'm funny. I'm funny. Like, put me on the show. I'm like, no, I know you're funny. I've seen you with the championship belt. I get it. Uh, and, um, and so we started talking about, well, how would we do this? And then we had Marshawn on and then, um, we would, um, you know, John and Tracy have Ben's fund. Mm-hmm. And so we would auction off. We would give us an auction item, walk-ons onto the show. Yes. And so we'd go to the event and he kept saying, I'm funny. I'm funny. And like, so we just needed to figure out the right thing. Um, so it came up. So finally we said, said, okay, we're going to put you on the show. Mm-hmm. We're going to put you on the show. And he came and he was great. We can talk about that. And But we've just sort of struck up a great friendship ever since. I think we've bonded over the fact that we both are working with um bottom of the fact that Larry David was my Ron Wolf. Yes. Um, and, you know, things like that, we're, and we're both now partners uh, uh, with someone who maybe gets a little more of the attention, <laughs> you know, but it's still a great partnership and our, our jobs are actually, it's, it's, an, it, we're, it's very analogous. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just have a lot in common and, and we've gotten to know, you know, John and Tracy are, are so great and we go on vacations with them and I will, I will tell you Seahawks fans, I've never been on a trip with John where he has not been working. Yeah, I believe it. And I will also say, you know, compete, always compete. Even on vacation, we were in Mexico and he's like, we're going to compete. We have something called the water Olympics. Okay. So until you've lost to another grown man in an underwater handstand, you've never truly (laughs) lost. (laughs) Can't Um, say I've tried that. No, he, but he will, he, it's the competition thing. It's not just Pete, it's John. They are always trying, always trying. Um, And, you know, I was going to come on this, uh, I told Jonathan, "Is there anything you don't want to talk about? Don't want me to talk about?" And he said, "Have fun. Just don't mention that time that I got food poisoning in Mexico." So I promised him I would not mention the time he got food poisoning of course, in Mexico. We won't talk about and that. I, at and all. I
0: didn't mention it, and we didn't talk about it. So I'm true to my word. There we go. And uh, for obviously, not everyone here would know this, but Jeff and Jackie come on a lot of the road trips, so we see them. I mean, they they are true diehard fans at a lot of these games on the road and at home. Now. Back to the broadcast, as you said, you're going to be in the booth with Rabel and Wyman. How are you getting ready? I know, you know, talking to um, Dave Pearson, our chief communications officer, he said you're taking this seriously. You're doing your homework. How are you getting ready for this? Uh, first things I was trying to do was just commit to
1: memory. All 90. All 90 numbers. Not know the easy. players. It's, I mean, it'd be a lot easier if it was, if it was <laughs> 53, yeah. and there's that bottom churn, so it gets tricky. Um, I've, I've statted up from last year. Uh, I feel really comfortable talking about that stuff. And just uh, really trying to, Steve and Dave do such a good job. Uh, the play-by-play is excellent. The colors excellent. So I'm just there to uh, have a little something fun to say about every player and and the team in general. And uh, hopefully it'll be a, I think comedy is a very collaborative thing, so I'm used to sort of fitting in where I fit in. Yes. But uh, it's been the most fun work I've ever done. It's the most fun studying I've ever done in my life, just no, no, I can't. I can't do this. I can't do that. I've got to work. I've got to watch. <laughs> I've got to watch football. A little more fun than starting for a high school final or something. Yeah, I've got to go to practice. Yeah. Um, and I'm also um, well-versed in this stuff. It's, all the shows I do are improvised. Mm-hmm. So um, every scene in Curb Enthusiasm is basically like a scramble drill. Yeah. You're just
0: reacting to what's happening. Mm-hmm. So it'll be fun. That's, that'll prepare you for the booth well because we know that we're – Rabel's a wild man, so you, gotta, you never know where he's going to take you. I just want one holy catfish. Yeah, hopefully you won. Now, to let people know how prepared this man is, we were out on the sideline at practice yesterday, and Jeff asked me, hey, uh, what's going on with number 40, Kobach? Why is he not practicing today? Now, no knock on Brian Kobach, but how many people listening to this probably know who number 40 on the Seahawks roster is unless they paid really close attention to a preseason game, and yet... There's Jeff out there, first day of practice, noticing that guy kind of far down on the depth chart, not practicing. So the man did his homework. He's paying attention. I got to say, it's impressive. And as disappointed as was that 40 wasn't playing, I was so happy to see
1: 13 in pads yes. for the first time in a while. Yeah, Cody Thompson, that was great. It'd yeah. be nice to
0: see him. Uh, he was having a good camp before he got hurt. So yeah, it'd be good for him to get out there because that receiver competition is wide open at the back end. So um, I do want to talk about some of your shows because that's you know what a lot of our fans would know you for. And the league obviously is the one that a lot of overlap with football fans, Seahawks fans. Now I've heard, I, you you tell me, I've heard a little bit that is based on a somewhat loosely true version of your fantasy football days with your friends or no? Yeah. The origin of the show. So I'm in a fantasy football
1: league with my high school friends. Mm-hmm. And for those of you that know the league, there's a, a trophy for the winners called the Shiva. And there's a trophy for the loser called the Sacco. Those are real trophies from my high school, um, my high school fantasy football league. Anyway, the, the inspiration for the whole show was actually Jackie's idea. We were we hadn't gone on vacation in a long time. We went we went over Christmas. We went into we went to the France. We were in the French Alps. We were skiing, and it's Christmas, uh, it's Christmas Eve, so it's a Sunday night at this, uh, in France, which is Sunday during the day, in LA. And I was in the championship of two fantasy football leagues. This is 2005. So uh-huh. I keep she's got planned this nice dinner and everything. I keep telling the uh, I keep telling my wife that the French food is making me sick to my stomach and I have to go to the bathroom. Um, but I didn't have to go to the bathroom. I had to You're go out. I had to go outside in a snowdrift. This is, again, before smartphones and just call. Call at great expense to myself. Call the United States to find <laughs> out what was happening. I couldn't affect the outcome. Nothing was going to change by me standing in a snowdrift and doing this. The third time I was stood out there, I look up and she's standing in the door of the hotel going, of the restaurant saying... This is the saddest, most pathetic, funniest thing I've ever seen. This is a good idea for a TV show.
0: And that's how it started. All right. So are you one of the characters in that show? I'm the worst parts of all of them. Oh, perfect. (laughs) I love it. When did it become something where you had, I mean, I've been going back and watching some of the, I mean, you're getting big name players on there. You just mentioned Marshawn Lynch and John Schneider were guests on there. I mean, when did the show kind of get that momentum that I'm guessing, you know, you were asking players, but maybe to get to the point guys were coming to you like, hey, we like your show. We want to be part of this? Well, when we started, no one knew what it was.
1: Yeah. Of we're course. shooting before it's ever aired. So the first season we had Antonio Gates mm-hmm. it was nice enough to come on the show. And the premise was, you know, when Antonio Gates was just this monster tight end, what happens when Antonio Gates drops a 40 burger? Uh, for your opponent, you lose. What happens if you actually ran into him? Mm -hmm. Um, So we put the guys at this hotel, and Antonio Gates, he runs into Antonio Gates in a hot tub. And unfortunately, because we had no money, we couldn't get them to actually, we were lucky to even get into this spa, but they weren't going to turn the hot tubs off. (laughs) So, which is fine for the first take. Then you realize, oh, Antonio Gates is cooking. Yeah, He's cooking in 125 degree water, and we're doing like six, and the sweat, once you start sweating, you can't stop sweating. Anyway, so we've learned our lesson, but once the show started airing, um, then it became more of an incoming phone call business, mm-hmm. um, and you know everyone from from JJ Watt who came on a few times, Marshawn came on a few times, um, and then co- Terry Bradshaw was on. Um, even by the way, we're as which is this is relevant since we're playing Dallas uh, this weekend, we actually shot at Dallas Cowboys training camp.
0: Yeah, I remember um, that episode.
1: So we had you know, Jason Witten, Felix. This is a while ago. Jason Witten, Felix Jones, Brandon Carr, and then Jerry Jones found out that we were filming there and. Try keeping Jerry Jones away from a camera. <laughs> yeah. He's like, so wait I'm a like, minute. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, write a scene for Jerry. Yeah. You, you want to be in it? It's like, you're not coming unless I'm in it. Yeah. So, um, anyway, uh, but you know, Chad Ochoa it was, it's been, it was very, very fun getting to, I don't get starstruck yeah. by actors. Yeah. Um, or musicians. I guess, you know, I'm around them a lot. It doesn't, uh-huh. it's work. Yeah. So we're going to do the work and we're going to get it done. But I do really love, um, being able to have football NFL players Uh on a show. It's so fun
0: for you as a Seahawks fan. What was that like having Marshawn on set? So so Marshawn,
1: we knew we wanted Marshawn on Mm -hmm. and he was actually going to come earlier. um, We couldn't get him during training camp. Mm -hmm. And then we thought we'd get him um, during our, our season. Basically we shoot from, we shot from like August to October and there was a week he was going to come on a Tuesday when he's his off day. But he had sort of tweaked his back and needed um, to stay for, you know, just some, this, treatment, yeah. some treatment stuff. And so Doug Hendrickson, his agent, is like, look, I can talk to Pete and John and see, say, look, he's really got to come. I'm like, do not. <laughs> I didn't know them yet. Do not tell the coach and GM of my favorite team that you're pulling this guy out of treatment to go do my stupid show. Do not do that. Mm-hmm. So it didn't work out. We didn't think we were going to get him. We finished, we finished shooting on a, the season's done and we finish on a thursday that friday hendrickson says hey he can come
0: mm-hmm.
1: i can come next week on the next tuesday um so now i have to call fx and say hey um we really need this scene yeah it's so vital and the head of fx is like i thought you wrapped it's like we did but boy we really need this and finally he just goes you know what just get him to sign a hat for my son. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> Good deal. So, which is really cool. So now we have, everything's wrapped. Everything's, yeah, everyone's we, gone home. We have to take everything back out. Yeah. And it costs as much to take everything back out for a season. It, it's, 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 this is an expensive, yeah. this is an expensive thing. So he's supposed to come in. We're going to shoot Tuesday at 11. So obviously you want the player to come in Monday night. So there's no problems. So Monday night, um, talking to Doug Hendrickson and like, Hey, is he here? And Doug says, well, Cooper Helfert was supposed to drive him to the airport, but I haven't heard from either of them. I don't think he didn't make the flight. He's not here. <laughs> okay. But he's coming, so let's get him on the, the 6 a.m. Uh-huh. Great. He's going to be on the 6 a.m. flight. The Next morning, we show up at our set. All the cameras, all the crews, everything is there. He's got this nice sports car for him. And, you know, calling Doug. and like, Doug, have you heard from Marshawn? I haven't heard a word. <laughs> not one word. Like, oh, no. And then around nine, he said, I got a call from, I got a text from Marshawn. His uncle was driving to the airport in the morning. They got into a car accident. Everyone is fine, but his phone was in the car. So that's why he he hasn't heard. We haven't heard a word from him. He got the, he got the phone out of the car, but he's not going to make it by then. Mm -hmm. And we're like, I'm looking at the set. I'm looking at all the crew. This is a very expensive party we've thrown. Yes. And the guest of honor didn't show up. And so we're like scrambling. Can he get on a later flight? But the problem is Paul Scheer, the actor who's in the scene with, again, we were done, is going with his family to Europe. Mm -hmm. Like, he is leaving at five. So there's this narrow window, and we realize it's not going to happen. And I'm like, I have to call the network and say, hey. (laughs) You know that thing? So we're sort of freaking out, and all all we knew is that Marshawn knew he was supposed to be at the lobby of the hotel, the JW Marriott, Marriott, downtown Los Angeles at 10.30, so our van could pick him up and take him to set. Mm -hmm. And I'm on the phone with Doug and Doug's like, I'm so sorry. I'm standing in the lobby. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And Marshawn just walks up. Yeah. And he goes right at 1030. He goes, Hey, let's go. He <laughs> <laughs> really, he was punking Doug, his agent, because his agent was so worried <laughs> about him going. So he was there the whole time. he been there the whole he time. He just did radio silence to teach his agent <laughs> a lesson and stop bothering him about that stuff. So he punked Doug. And by association, he punked us and the entire FX network. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he just shows up. And by the way, Couldn't have been better. Couldn't be more professional. Had so much fun. Stayed signed autographs, all this stuff. He was amazing, but he
0: literally terrorized us for like 18 hours. That's awesome. What a story. How's John Schneider as an actor? I know your friends, so you gotta be, you know, you gotta be honest. How were his acting chops?
1: As an actor, I will say one of his strengths as an actor is sweating. (laughs) (laughs) So it's summer. It's not, you know, we're summer in Los Angeles. It's hot. Um, and when you've got the lights on, it gets even hotter, and yeah. you can't put on the air conditioning because that ruins the sound. And maybe he's a little nervous. People get nervous, and so we have this big tube that just there's an air conditioner outside, and it just this we call it the worm. Mm-hmm. It's just this big yellow tube that shoots air into the room when we're not shooting. And he's he's doing great, by the way, totally natural, doing great. But he's just. Like, just go stand in front of the worm. <laughs> so, he would just in between, in between setups, he would just standing next to this giant yellow thing that's just blowing cold air, cold blowing air him. into him. But the interesting thing was, um, we're like in the story, um, because the draft was in Chicago and our, our characters were based in Chicago, yes. we wanted them to screw up the actual NFL draft instead of their own draft, of course, and so. John, obviously, is, is back at the VMAC. And we mm-hmm. shot something that looked like VMAC. Yeah. And there's, as there are at the NFL draft, there's someone who has to bring that card mm-hmm. down to the commissioner, whoever yeah. that is there, to get the, tr- get the thing in. So due to our guys' the story, I won't bore our dear audience with, the Seahawks guy gets knocked out by our people, and two of our characters are there, and John's like, we're making a trade here, I need you to bring the card up. So that was the fun of it. Um, our guys are, <laughs> are really problematic and so I'm like, John, you need to start yelling at them. Like, you need to get angry. And Tracy's like, Oh, he doesn't. He doesn't get angry. I'm like, Yeah, but they're ruining your draft. I'm like, no, our draft is our draft is so chill. I'm like, There's no stress in the draft room. He goes, No,
0: nope, oh, we they got candles burning, candles, music
1: playing, reggae. If anyone's stressed, they've got to leave. I'm like, Okay, well, that's awesome, and that's why you you draft so well. But <laughs> that does this not work TV for a TV show, show. <laughs> you need to yell at them. Um, but he did uh, he did great. And the most interesting thing was the draft pick that we were using was Tyler Lockett. Yeah. And as Seahawks fans may remember, we moved up in the third to the beginning of the third mm-hmm. to get Tyler Lockett. And um, the coolest thing was John was like, you know, we tried. We, he, he, John knew, which is amazing. John knew where Tyler Lockett was going to go. And the trade with Washington was not the first attempt. The, and so he had these other cards, yeah. that, an attempt with, Wash, uh, with Jacksonville. One with Indy, like here's just so we got to see all the maneuvering, which was very cool. But I think the most impressive thing was how do you know where a player is that it's going to be right yeah. there and you have to do it right there. Um, so that was, that was for me, that was fantasy football. That
0: is truly one of that man's strengths that maybe gets overlooked of Pete Carroll likes to talk about this, but it's not just evaluating the talent, but knowing where those guys are going to go
1: and knowing how long you can wait. Like yeah. who would have thought, let's just like Olu, Oluwotimi, okay. Yeah. A the Remington Award winner, meaning the best center. Best
0: center in the country. The
1: Outland Trophy Award winner, best, in, best lineman on the best, on the Morris Award winning best line in the country. Yeah. Knowing that you can wait until the
0: fifth holding your water. Yeah. Well, the all-time example that a lot of people, in apparently in this building, there are people who wanted to draft Russell Wilson in the second round. They liked him that much. John knew, you know what? I think we can wait. And if you do that, if you take him in the second round, you don't have a Hall of Fame middle linebacker in Bobby Wagner. So... Right. I mean, that's n- not just knowing, hey, we think that Russell Wilson's a great player. It's knowing, I think we can wait one more round to get another great player in the second round. So one of his many, many talents, along with sweating, of course.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: that story definitely checks out. I was in the draft room once when our president, Chuck Arnold, asked if he need another shirt. So <laughs> it's way, not just on TV. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I think like, did they win? I think.
1: Last year at the combine, the Seahawks won an award for the best, best draft. draft.
0: So they were presented that award this year at the combine yes, for the year. 2022 draft.
1: And I just you know look in the last in the last year and a half, last two years now, they've replaced every key offensive player except for Metcalf, Lockett, and Lewis. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the defense looks completely different. I mean these these drafts, these two drafts that they've done, plus the free agent acquisitions and the signings are it's remarkable. Yeah. This team is so. I'm, I could not be more excited about the, how, the direction this team is going. It is going straight up, looking, looking
0: forward. It's just amazing. All right, so on, on, honest moment for you here. How did you feel about it last year around this time? Because I know there was a lot of fans who were very upset and thought it was going to go in the tank, but I, I have a hunch you maybe had a little more faith than uh, some folks.
1: Well, let's talk about this weekend one year ago, Season, preseason game two, uh, Chicago at Seattle. Yeah, And um, Drew was supposed to start. He had COVID. Gino's starting. It's 10 to nothing in the first quarter. We don't have a first down. It's 17 to nothing with a muffed punt with 20 seconds left to end the half. I think we have two first downs. Yeah. Jason Myers misses an easy field goal. This is a, we were obliterated. Yeah. By the Chicago Bears. Which a lot of people are saying was one of the worst teams in football. Exactly. So, and if you looked at it that way, you know, everyone was thinking, oh my gosh, I can't, if we we're really being honest with myself, I wish Drew had been playing. Mm-hmm. And then Drew comes in the next game, and whether he was, you know, not ready, because he's been sick, didn't, have a, didn't cover himself in glory either. So if you looked at these preseason games, yeah. you would think this is not going to be great. But look what happened. The Bears turned out to be much more bad news than Monsters of the Midway. Gino was the best quarterback in the NFC. Yeah. You know, um, only, you know, only two quarterbacks through uh um, in the NFL through two touchdowns in 12 games, yeah, Holmes and Geno, um, you know, number one in passing f- uh, efficiency in a uh, completion percentage rather. Uh, so it's hard to take away. I mean, they were clearly finding out what the team was and, and this is the time to make mistakes. So, but to answer your question, was, was I more, more, um, I didn't think they were going to be that bad. I thought there was, there were too many good players, Yeah, but I didn't, if I'm truly being honest, I, d- I didn't think that Gino was going to be as good as he was.
0: Um, and I couldn't, I, it'd be unfair. Yeah, I, I don't think any were, of us were saying pro bowler, you know, leading the NFC in touchdowns, leading the league in completion percentage. I, I don't think any of us in an honest moment predicted that. But what but. I did, why I was optimistic, is because I knew it was the right move. Yeah. It was the right move.
1: It was, you know, the the contract stuff with Russell and like having to, you know, franchise, just really ruin your future to pay that big a section of the, of the cap for a, a... Like, it was all... Right. Everything they did was right. Yeah. It was right. But I thought we'd take more lumps than we did. But Pete was right the whole time. He said, this isn't a rebuild. And, you know, if you make the playoffs, it's not a rebuild. Yeah. It's not a Absolutely rebuild at all. Not. And that's... It, it's incredible. Like, we are so lucky to have this front office and this coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Um, the, who, you know, the Jets haven't made it in 12 years. Yeah. You know who's the second? That's the highest. They haven't made it to the, uh, the playoffs in 12 years. The second team... You know what it is? I bet you're going to tell me. Denver. Wow.
0: Yeah. Well, just as you said, you get star around football players, but not Hollywood. Those of us in sports are kind of the opposite. So I want to hear some Hollywood stories, you know, without getting anyone in trouble. You got into writing, was that right after college? I know you were at Harvard running the lampoon, which for those who don't know, has produced some very, very funny people over the years and years and years. How'd you get into TV after that? The,
1: the – so every year, the, the Lampoon, which is Harvard's comedy magazine, does a parody. Sometimes yes. it's a USA Today. Sometimes it's People. Um, my year, we did a parody of MTV, a TV show. Um, a few of us, my, and these people became my writing partners, Alec Berg, um, who I wrote with on Seinfeld and, and Curb, and, uh, and Dave Mandel, who I also did. And, and Alec's gone off to do you now Silicon Valley and Barry. Uh, Dave Mandel does does Veep and just did White House Plumbers, so we've all worked together for a long time. But um, we got to, we had something that we had made,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so pretty soon after that, we went out to Hollywood, started working on lots of shows that didn't ever make it. Um, That's most shows, isn't it? <laughs> yes. And then, um, as luck would have it, we we sent some ideas into Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. This is in '94. Didn't hear anything. We were going to go back to Conan where we were working back in New York got a call that they read our stuff and liked it. And so can you come in? It's Like, yeah. So we came in and met with Larry and Jerry. Um, In 94, Jerry's just sort of staring at you. Larry has his space pen from something, just he's rolling it and just shaking his head, looking at you like this. (laughs) And you start pitching your ideas. And so we got started there. And so um, I imagine the feeling is like what it must be for some of these younger defensive players to all of a sudden find themselves... Um, playing with Bobby Wagner.
0: Yeah. It's like, oh boy.
1: <laughs> I watched this. I watched Seinfeld in college and now I'm sitting ah. with Jerry and Larry wow. and your brain is saying, get out of here. <laughs> Go run. <laughs> Don't screw doing? this up. Get you out. Thought, you shouldn't even be here. But if you stick around, if you get over that, which is, you know, I think about all these guys out there with Bobby. It's like, yeah. they are going to learn so much mm-hmm. from being around someone who's seen everything. I mean, just, I'm so happy. He's just to, for the fits and everything. Just, I mean, yeah, nothing. He's seen everything.
0: Yeah, he has. I think he's going to help so much. I mean, we talk about all the different things that can make this defense better, and just his presence, his knowledge, his getting guys in the right spot It's going to be huge. Yeah.
1: So, anyway, so for Seinfeld, I, we did uh, my writer Alec and I did two years with Larry David. At, people don't really know this, but Larry left after the la- he didn't do the last two seasons. Yeah, um, he came back for the finale. So Alec and I were now running the show with Jerry, like mm-hmm. 27, 28 years old. Wow, what an experience. It was <laughs> terrifying. It's like, please don't, you know, destroy this car. Don't wrap it around a light post. Yeah. Just, um, and, but still we stayed, I've stayed obviously very good friends with Larry. Yeah. And we would sort of help him a little bit here and there. And then we came on to Curb think, season five and, and I've been working with him ever since. I've, it's the longest relationship I've ever had in my life. I've worked on and off of, with Larry David for 29 years. Wow. A long time.
0: Yeah. Now, is it true you came up with the Festivus poll idea? Another one of those, it must be true because it's on the internet, but I want to verify it. The internet's always, uh, always sometimes right.
1: Yeah. There's um, so Festivus, The Festivus Seinfeld episode is really the brainchild of uh, a person who lived it. Mm -hmm. A writer on Seinfeld who we brought on named Danny O'Keefe would talk about his, his Christmas time. He had a, a father who was very odd and, Didn't want to celebrate the commercial, the crass commercialism of Christmas. So he had this thing called Festivus. And his was even weirder. There was a clock in a bag and there was some other, (laughs) but there was a lot of complaining anyway. So he's telling us about this. We said, Oh, great, we're going to do this as a show. And he goes, Please don't. Please don't. (laughs) I said, No, we're going to do it. We're going to change it. We're going to, there's no clock in a bag. Yes. So the poll, yes, is my idea. Yes. But Danny O'Keefe lived Festivus. Wow. And now his greatest, most embarrassing, like, scarring, painful childhood memory <laughs> gets resurfaced
0: every year now for the for the rest of his life that's amazing yeah wow
1: it's uh, it's the most public
0: yet of his many humiliations oh you know if we can't have those what's life for yep <laughs> um w- going back to the league you mentioned all these shows are pretty improvisation improvisational i just imagine there's a lot of chaos involved as the director are you just sort of trying to rein everything in or how does that flow when everybody's bouncing their own ideas around?
1: So it's, it's a unique environment. Mm-hmm. So Curb and Theusiasm and The League are both semi-scripted, meaning we have an outline, yeah, and, which we've worked hard on. In fact, Seinfeld and Curb are written the exact same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we come up with stories and then we do what I call comedy geometry um, on a dry erase board, trying to make all these stories intertwine and come to a funny end. Um, the only difference was with Seinfeld, you spend a few days writing the script and with Curb, we don't, and we write it on the set. So every scene's a live rewrite. Same with The League. And as a director, you're writing because you're shouting things out, say this, say that, and you're, it's like a live comedy sporting event is the best way to describe it because you're telling the cameras where to move at the same time you're telling people what to say. Wait, don't, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, say it now. And they're also coming up with stuff that you didn't expect, so you have a plan, mm-hmm. and then you know that half of that plan is getting thrown out the window Yeah. because, you know, someone starts to do something else, you're like, oh, and the AD's like, hey, we're supposed to go to lunch. Are we gonna really do this? And you're like, Oh yeah, we're doing this now. Yeah. And so it's the, it's a blast. It's it's not for everybody because it's you just have to walk in every day going, We're funny, we're gonna leave with something funny.
0: Um, but I love it. Yeah. Like you said, it's a lot like these guys out here. You don't you don't know exactly what's gonna happen. You prepare, but you don't know yeah. how it's gonna go. So
1: And I will say the football players. And the, the people that came on, at first, they're very nervous. Yeah. And when you're nervous, the first thing I always notice from people when they're very nervous, they talk really quietly. Okay. They talk really quietly. Mm-hmm. They're not sure what to say. And so our guys were great about just shocking them, shocking the system. Like, so we'd be standing around, because there's not really any rehearsal line-wise. There's some blocking, but no one sent it. And so it's the scene starts, and our guys would go at people. Like, go at NFL. Like, what? Wait, what do you? Oh, okay, we're in the locker room. I get it. And sort of just shock them into like, no, this is fun. Just like you're not going to look stupid. Our guys always look stupid. They know how to look, make themselves look stupid. I will make sure they look stupid. You're going to look great. Uh uh-huh. um, But it's uh, <laughs> I'll say the one thing. Marshawn loved, loved, loved John Leguizamo, the guy who played Taco in the league. Yeah, could not get enough of him. Could He's a funny dude. Very funny dude. So you know, after after the uh, Arizona Super Bowl, yeah, and the you know the Voldemort of all plays yes. that, that sh- shall not be named. Um we got a chance to get Marshawn to do a scene based on that. Yes. Um opening scene of season seven, in fact. Yeah. Opening scene of season seven. Um Marshawn and John LeJoy are on a beach. They've got um a few beers, they're talking about stuff. Um another one of our characters, Kevin is about I don't know, a yard and a half away. We, we might need a trigger warning on the rest of this segment. I don't know. Some fans might say. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. It's hard. This is, and this is how I work Yeah. It. So I was about to say, how'd you get through this? And he's like, Hey, there's one more beer. He's like, "Throw me. Um, can I have the beer?" Marshawn's like, "Oh yeah, I'll run it over to you." John's like, "No, no, no. I'll, I'll just toss it. I'm right there. I can run it over. I could probably run it over. I could get it. I get there in my sleep." And and Taco John Legend was just like, "No, I'm gonna throw it. What's the worst thing that could happen?" Yeah. Tosses it. Kevin tries to catch it. Lands in the grill. Sets himself on fire. Everything blows up. Bad. Anyway, um, and Marshawn's like, "I told you I should have run it." Yeah. And um, I I didn't we knew we wanted to do the scene. I had to work through, everyone had to work through the issue. This is how I was working through that issue. Yes. Um, and... Well, after the pain. After the pain. That um, was there live. Yeah. Um, Were you at both Super Bowls? Yeah. Okay, well, at least you got one. Game. Yeah, yeah. It was magnificent. Yes. Um, I, Jackie was like, are you crying? <laughs> <laughs> after the win or the loss? After the win. Yeah. <laughs> she goes, I just went and go, uh, yeah, I'm so happy. <laughs> but, um... Marshawn, we knew we wanted to do this scene, and we kept talking to Hendrickson. It's like, is he going to do this? Is he willing to do this? Yeah. And, and Doug's like, yeah, yeah, it's funny, it's funny. He thinks that he likes it, he likes it, he likes it. And then Marshawn comes to the set that day, and I don't think he'd ever seen it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he looks at it and he goes, oh, man, you're all going to get me fired. <laughs> and we're like, you just signed a $12 million guarantee. I don't think anyone's firing you. And he goes, all right, I'm doing this, but I'm going to tell you something. If we get in the same situation, and they don't hit me the ball again, it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of pressure on yeah. you. <laughs> but he's a, Marshawn is a, is a wonderful, he's so fun, he's so great. And, he, and you know, the first time he was on the show was when he wasn't saying anything to the media. Mm-hmm. Talking to the media, he yeah, was yeah. just this, this cypher. And we're like, you're so talkative, and you're so funny, you're so jovial, but you never talked to the media. And you just said, I don't have anything to say to him.
0: Mm-hmm. And that was it. Yeah.
1: He was his own man. Yep. He is, but. um, but I love how the players loved having him around. Oh, and I feel still like do if he shows still up. do, and yeah. I feel like Bobby. How happy is Quandre Diggs that Bobby is back? Oh, the man spent can... his
0: entire off season just lobbying Pete Carroll yeah. publicly on Twitter and going to his office. So yeah, they're they're thrilled.
1: Yeah, what a, this is, you know, I know it's the third youngest team uh, in the NFL right now, which is incredible. Yeah. but it'd probably be also... the youngest if not for Nick belore <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Nick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I loved his. Uh, is like, uh, My Chemical Romance haircut in his uh, in his team photo. That man's funny. You should yeah. hire him. When he, you, is, he is a you really can come funny work dude. He's a really funny dude. I'd have him any time.
0: <laughs> um, since you mentioned both Super Bowls and you were at Super Bowl 48 in New York, what was your memory as a fan who had been through the dark times? You've been a Kingdom season ticket holder when the team's going to and, you know, win in a few games. What, what was that like for you as a fan to, to experience that Super Bowl? Well, I think that context is important because the Seahawks – had always been
1: the other team in someone else's story, mm-hmm. right? Bo Jackson running over Boz. You know, it was just like, it was just, they were the other team. And look, mm-hmm. the 90s, you know, was, it was a bunch of 7-9, 8-8, 7-9, 8-8, you know. And and then it got, it got better, and then it got worse for a season. And then, so now it's just, no one was expecting that you'd, when Pete and John were hired, you would hope that this would happen. But, yeah. I mean, I don't know if anyone, there'd been a lot of history that says it wasn't going to happen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, um the end of 2012, that Atlanta loss, which was so close to being a win, was so close, to, was, I know, I remember Russell said he felt great, and it just, you're like, this team is on the way. And then mm-hmm. 13 almost felt inevitable, but, of course, then you're playing Peyton Manning and the most vaunted offense. And I remember talking to people, because everyone, you know, everyone offense always steals the show. And they're like, oh, well, how how is Seattle ever going to do this? It's yeah. Peyton Manning. It's the best offense in the world. Highest scoring of all time. Yeah. And I said, well, Peyton can't really throw it to the outside, and they're going to get killed when he throws it to the inside. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually pretty – I was confident. Yeah. I was very confident, but it went way better than I – I <laughs> yeah. never – I mean, you know, that safety and then – and even the Percy Harvin. I mean, yeah. even when it, before that, at the end of the first half, I remember standing with Jackie going, okay, I think we got this. But, again, that offense, Peyton Manning, Peyton yeah. Manning you just – Yeah, you kept waiting for – Yeah, that and pick. then Percy took it back, and then it was just like, oh, this is yeah. this is so fun. That was when the
0: celebration really yeah. started.
1: Yeah, so many – So, I mean, I just remember lots of, like, lots of people, like, wanting to leave and being bored. And there's, like, Jackie and I and, like, Kenny Main was, like, (laughs) a few rows up just, like, standing and cheering. And just, it was, it was so, it was so incredible. Um, And, look, that defense, was it first in DVOA, 13, 14, 15? Something like it was yeah. just an incredible let, run. Yeah,
0: they're they're up there for three years there. They led the league in scoring defense for four straight years, only team in the Super Bowl era to do that. So,
1: so just remarkable. But I will
0: say, I
1: remember being on Rich Eisen's podcast, mm-hmm. um, 2012, before the season started. And, you know, I think this was even before it may have been right after Russell's no, I think it was before Russell's game, that second game or whatever. And I was like, they're building a big sandwich here. It's I mean, you can see the pieces. They're building it the Bread, all the stuff. The question is, what kind of sandwich is it? Is it a Matt Flynn sandwich, or is it a Russell Wilson sandwich, or is it somebody else? And I and I remember saying, I think I think it's going to be a Russell Wilson sandwich. I think it's going to be really good. And I will tell you, I am I'm feeling a sandwich getting built again. Like, is this twelve? Is this thirteen? I don't know what this year is, yeah. but it's going to be tasty. This is it's going to be really good. That it's the team's too young, and there's too much talent, and there's too much, um, there's so much built-in redundancy and versatility. There's versatility. Yeah. Like, look at the defense. There's so much versatility. And that versatility means, like, redundancy, which is great because we all know all the players yeah. who don't last through the season. Yeah. And that's secondary. You're covered. I don't, there's so many moving parts that can play so many different roles that I feel like we're covered. I feel like running backs, I, you know, I was, like, running backs, are like um, running backs are like underwear. Like, you walk out the door and you have one pair of underwear. And you're like, I only need one pair of underwear. Until you don't. And then, no and then you're deal. like, I'm so glad I had a second <laughs> pair of underwear. And I think, you know, Zach Charbonnet, not to reduce him to a second pair of underwear, because <laughs> he's amazing, but like, it's great. And, you know, Kenny's coming, you know, Kenny will be back and he'll, you know, fill the, the Travis Homer-sized hole in our hearts and it'll be great. But like, I, I just think there, the offensive line with, with Bradford is, you know, he may not play right now, but he's available to play. Yeah. And next year, you know, it's everywhere there everywhere,
0: everywhere you go, there's, there's, really talented backups. Yeah. And there's a vibe about this team, just kind of a juice that it started last year. And if, for whatever reason, whether it's just the newness, the roster turnover, I think it energized Pete, John, the players, and you, you felt it last year and you're feeling it around this building again, that just, if you're around here every day, there's just, you can tell there's something special brewing with this group.
1: I and mean, everyone should have someone in their lives that loves them as much as Pete loves coaching
0: young players. It's amazing. It, you know, I've, I've heard from players who come from other places. I, I think Tariq Wollen made this point. You know, he, he went to an offensive – or not Tariq Woolen. Who was it? I can't remember now. Oh, you know, back in the day it was Trey Flowers He went to an offensive school, Oklahoma State, where if you're a defensive back, you're kind of off in the defensive world. Head coach barely knows who you are. He comes here and he's got Pete Carroll, a legend at that point, one-on-one individually with him practicing. we see it out there. First day, Tariq Williams back the other day, he's walking off field. Pete Carroll, the whole, you know, 100-plus yards walking off the field together, just chatting, hand placement, technique, and just he loves, you know, he's been doing this job for almost 50 years at some level, and he still, you can tell, gets so much joy out of it. And I
1: think the other thing that's amazing, and it's a testament to this 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 competitive family, this culture, is the players that come back. Yeah. I mean, Bennett and Averill yeah. out there coaching, you know. Yeah. Sherm's coming back. it's just people want to come back. I remember we had um we had Golden Tate on, on the league, and this was he had already been he was back he was in Detroit yeah at this point and, he's, and he just said seeing seeing the other side mm-hmm. he real, so he goes, boy Seattle was just a it was a first class organization all the way around yeah um, and I think you get that from a lot of players who go somewhere else mm-hmm. and then they realize what they had here
0: was super special, yeah. Even guys who didn't leave on the best of terms. Yeah. They come back and yeah. they yeah, it's great to see. I think on that note, we're going to let you go. I'll uh, remind everyone to, you know, if you haven't ever binged the league, go jump on Hulu or wherever and watch it. Watch Dave. And most of all, listen to the broadcast and hear Jeff drop a whole lot of Seahawks knowledge this weekend. Don't hate me. It'll be great.